I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the CollectingCars.com podcast with Chris Harris and Edward Lovett. Hello, I'm Chris Harris and welcome to the Collecting Cars podcast. Today, with my usual partner, Edward Lovett, I have Richard Tuttle, he of Tuttle Porsche fame. So he's along for a chinwag about Porsche and other subjects that he knows, well, I hope, something about. Uh, Edward's there wearing a very, very fetching uh, gilet, or gillet, in, uh, as they say in Devon. And um, uh, what I will let you into, one secret, is that I am an old friend of Richard. We went to uni together and um, therefore there are too many in-jokes and obviously lots of subjects we can't talk about because they would, well, they're not sort of suitable for a family podcast. Um, uh, but we've, we've knocked about in cars for a long, long time and we do, we share passion for similar things. So great to have you here, Richard. Um, you're looking thin as ever. What happened? I mean, somehow he manages to lose weight with age. I don't know how he managed to do that. It's, it's unbelievable. unbelievable. Well, he seems to have a pastry full of sugar and we have to have a normal croissant. But he, he gets to look like that. His metabolism. Chris, you drive, drove here. I walked. Oh, that's a good point. I drove here in my used Bentley. I look like a kind of dusky Arthur Daly. Yeah. Um, so I thought the Queen was arriving as he uh, came up the, uh, the north, e- north End Road. The, the big news is you have just built what for a long time we've called your new shed. But it's not a shed, is it? It's a massive building from which you will now base operations going forwards and hopefully look for some business to pay for it. Yes, but it is a shed. It's a green, okay. It was a greenhouse. Well, it was a it? greenhouse, and now it's marginally better. Um, but no, ultimately it's a shed, but it's a very nice shed, and it feels a little strange to be working in such an environment. <laughs> but. So your, the, the business was, was basically your dad servicing beetles, wasn't it? That, that's how it started. And yeah. funnily enough, he's reverted back to type. He is now <laughs> working on beetles again, which he loves. And he's, let's say, 50 metres from the new shed. Uh, and the original garage is 100 metres away. So we're, we're on the same site. It's always been. It's wonderful. And Beatles then, was, was it Paris Peking or something? He did? Was it London, Sydney? London, he, Sydney, yeah. London, Sydney, but that was the first time he proved what he could do with a 911. Well, yeah, he did it in a Beetle. 
did he? Originally, he wrote to VW in 1975, said, I want to go from London to Sydney, how do I do it? I think they sort of sent a manual and said, do this to a Beetle, which he did, including taking a spare engine on the roof, which he fitted before Dover. (laughs) (laughs) So so it wasn't a brilliant start. Um, Anyway, yeah, that's how it started. He's done London, Sydney three times. Uh, Always in a Beetle. uh, No, once in a Beetle, (laughs) twice in a Porsche. And... The, the Porsche thing really started, his own Porsche thing, which is what we've now become, started in 1990. Um, so, yeah, that, before that was SCRSs and, you know, the connection to DR Autosport, which was then the Rothmans rally team. Because that's the other thing, other thing yes. people don't know about, is that you guys were involved in the fabrication of the Group A legacies. You were involved in the fabrication of the E30 M3 yeah, we did. Pro we, drive rally cars. And touring cars. And, and the touring cars as well. So we did SCRS repairs. Uh, 959, had a few of them in the, back in the day. M3. Uh, 6R4. Rothmans, Rothmans painting on the 6R4. The old man used to do them himself. So th- um, this is all for Pro Drive though? Or yeah, d- this or was all, all DR Autosport, which was yeah. then, then Pro Drive. M3. All of Legacies every Impressa Group A car and then we stopped at World Rally Car and most of it was So L555 BAT We scrapped Colin McRae's one of Colin McRae's Subaru Legacies I remember it in the field literally outside the workshop and at a certain point and I've got the picture Have you still got loaded. the chassis plate? No, no. <laughs> we, we huge, could do something with that Huge error of judgement <laughs> I've got a picture of it on top of Smiths of Bloxham skip lorry on the way to the skip to be crushed. So that was a mistake, as it turns out. But <laughs> we've done. We've for done the benefit of all the listeners, our head is in our hands now. We're just going. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, he we've done a lot of stuff over the years, uh, and we settled eventually on Porsches. And um, turns out, I don't think it was a bad shout. That's a great shout. So the the, the Porsche 911 thing, which is now how you make a living. Why is it such a special car? Why does it work? And we've discussed this at length, and I think the one thing you've always said to me is the base vehicle is so high quality, you start at a level that means that if you, if you start to improve it, it only gets better and better and better. I think that's one thing. I think still, the, if there's one thing I'd ever say about 911, is it's mentally stimulating, above and beyond any other car, to drive. The end. So it's not a bad platform. Yeah. Um, as you know, I am uh, have the attention span of a newt. <laughs> Therefore, the idea of driving a BMW sideways, or driving a BMW for that matter, sorry to any BMW owners, just, apologies, um, <laughs> it just bores me to tears because after about 10 seconds, you can do anything and it won't catch you out. And Well, so you like the fact that the, port, the old Porsche is lurking there trying to break your legs yeah but it doesn't it's just a myth that, and I agree with you that is a myth isn't it a because, complete myth but how much of that is down to modern tyres I uh, still think an old a short wheel base 911 on period rubber on a wet road in 1967 still must have been a handful of course it would have been but I think actually we see from historic racing if you put bad tyres on anything and then it rains you're in the wrong place yeah for so, sure so is a 911 any worse 
yeah, drive a 3.3 turbo on a wet road with bad tyres and get it wrong, then it's pretty appalling. But then I don't, I don't have much to compare it to. So for me, it's like putting an old pair of gloves on and just crack The BMW thing's actually a little bit wrong coming from you because you once phoned me from my E28 and 5 and said, this is actually quite good. Was that when I was driving That old around? black skip and you were doing oh, okay. roundabouts in it is in the middle of Wales. Is that the one you've still got? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, you said this isn't too bad. I shouldn't, I shouldn't pick out BMW specifically. Front engine rear wheel drive, which includes Escort Mark. You quite like those as well, don't you? I've only had to go in one. Um, <laughs> yes, look, of course they're, they're easy to drive, I think. Easier to drive. Yeah. And therefore, it just comes back to my original thing. It's about mental stimulation. What keeps me captivated? And it's uh, having to answer a question behind the steering wheel. And the 911 does that brilliantly. You also have quite strong views on the types of 911 you like driving on the road, don't you? Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not hugely experienced, so I get... You're uh, not hugely experienced. Well, I don't... You drive, as do you, Ed, you drive lots of cars and you will have driven probably every 911 variant where I very rarely get exposed to newer stuff. Um, modern 911s or yeah, modern cars. Yeah, and, and I, I think they're wonderful, all 911s, but um, I don't have the exposure you guys do. Mm. But when we've discussed what makes a nice road car, the spec seems to become more and more basic. You go... Narrower body, thinner tyres, smaller capacity engines that rev nicely, but also give you decent torque. I, you know, I can remember when we finished the green car that we made together, God knows how many years ago. Kermit. I found some videos of that. On there was a moment. The server, was did you? The okay, day, right. There was. A, we'll, ha- we'll get into that in a minute. There was. A, there was a moment at the end of it where we, we went, "Wow, it's finished. It's pretty special." And you went. Yeah, I wish it was like a narrow body with 200 horsepower. <laughs> well, we better start again. So what, what won't be known in the the circles outside the, the very small sort of hot rod Porsche community with obviously Singer and Ruff are, are, are names known by everyone now, but Richard has been building hot road cars for some time now and has, has got a, a, quite a name for yourself for people coming for bespoke builds. Yeah, we do a little bit of it. And I got an email from a chap the other day who bought one of our cars. Uh, he's uh, lots of 911s. He sent me a very nice note just saying what an amazing handling car it is. So I think there's two, there's two, uh, maybe three elements to any road car. But the engine's shite. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, brilliant. As, as it turns out, that was good as well. Um, so your engine is a key factor in any car. But in my opinion the least important uh chassis handling yeah all that stuff very important and the one thing so we have an interesting chat about what we like in a chassis uh the one thing that bugs me most is comfort and by that i include road noise noise can you be on the phone on the inside of the car whilst driving do i want to drive one of those cars three hours or would i just rather get in a turbo diesel Golf, which don't really exist anymore. I guess they probably, we don't make them anymore. But but it's this comfort and it's, you've driven in a very, very comfortable car today and you could be on the phone all the way. Could you do that in an early car? Would you want to? And I, I, I don't know. What, what, what kills me about modern performance cars is just that there's been this marketing led need to have ever bigger wheel rims that gives you a skinnier sidewall, smaller, more, smaller, smaller sidewalls with lower profile tyres. You've got less compliance in the sidewall. 
then you go for lowered suspensions and stiffer suspensions to give this sense of a very, very direct driver car that's super agile, almost hyper agile, too agile. And you end up with no ride comfort at all in the car. And I don't, I don't understand it. You drive, you know, a five series BMW and you just think, well, what, what are they thinking of here? I want to be comfortable. This comes from a man with 22 inch rims on his Bentley outside. Yeah, but it's on air suspension, isn't it? She's a slack old girl. <laughs> and, I, and I don't, and I, one thing that I learned working with Richard, we met a guy called Graham Gleason. Bless him, he's not here from XTC Suspension. He's, he's passed on now. He was, and he was a bit of a visionary, a mercurial character. Um, and he, he taught me that ride comfort and and level handling are not sort of that you know they're mutually compatible they're not incompatible you can you can create a suspension system that, that's level flat and direct and still have ride comfort you don't need to just basically fire loads of compression damping and have a stiff spring you don't it doesn't need to be that way and when, since I, we did that and that was with the green car in 2007 um I've become more critical of road suspensions in modern cars. I don't understand why they have to be so stiff. I just don't get, understand it at all. It's got to be down to the amount of money they'll put into dampers. Uh, or is it driven by... It's very interesting when you speak to clients who've got lots of cars. Bearing in mind, everybody in this room drives, ha- has access to many different cars. A lot of guys like this stiff feeling because they think for that couple of hours they're driving their special car that they're in some sort of a race car and it's all a bit racy and edgy and uh, and it's because they don't they know no better yeah, so yeah. um when you're trying to speak to someone about oh we want to make it a bit soft actually a lot of the time say no no no, no i like that well i also under i have sympathy for that particular opinion in that situation that if that vehicle is the one that you take out three o'clock on a sunday when you've washed up the dishes and you want to go and you know, blow your cobwebs out. If you want it to feel hyper agile, very stiff, very uncompliant, maybe that's. I think for modern cars, I think if you're used to driving a BMW or a turbo Golf, turbo diesel Golf daily, and you get into a GT3 RS and it's sort of shaking your teeth out, it sort of makes you feel like you're in something. You know, so so those a bit cars, racy. You can probably excuse it a bit more in those cars, but then you go and get in a. I've just got rid of an E63 Estate, which I loved. It's a great car, but the 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 ride at low speed was busy. You know, you're, you're there thinking, well, how do we use estate cars? Well, they do a lot of trundling about at low speed, don't they? And you know, you'd see a bump and, and wince before you hit it. Mm. Once you got moving and and the damper could work, yeah, then it was very very supple actually. But at low speed, I, I just don't understand it. And you sit with chassis engineers from car companies who can't really justify it either. They just yeah. say, well, the marketing people want it to sit really low. I remember watching some of your videos in, in more recent years. I think it was probably the 430 Scuderia when they first put the button of to soften the suspension. Yeah. And it was, you know, the quickest way around the track is in race mode, but with the softer suspension. But this and, and this is, you know, the ultimate um, elitist statement. But when you get in a new Ferrari, what's the first thing you do? You press the bumpy road button, don't yeah. you? Because otherwise the thing's unusable, I think. Absolutely, yeah. Um, well, so, I, I did a... With this project we're both involved in, yeah. I had a day, uh, a couple of hours, on local roads I know well, with, a, um, with an engineer who was working on engine mapping. Um, and we got talking about sport. This is, by the way, the Singer DLS. So, so Richard and I work on the, on the design lightweight study, which is the, you know, what they're calling the new Singer. It's a very expensive vehicle. It's basically a ground-up new project. It's an all-new engine, a totally new chassis. It's being co-developed with Williams. This is what he's talking about. Yeah, so... And they've come to you, Richard, for chassis development. 
No, they no. I'm just uh, just generally helping okay. across various areas of the car. So uh, that word's is, open to interpretation, depending we, on who you were helping, <laughs> valeting, mm, whatever, whatever. <laughs> uh, but it, I must say, it's, it's a, a privilege to be involved. B an extremely exciting car, and all of these problems, problems, all these features that we're discussing now, actually are very relevant to this car, and I think uh, this car deals with most of it. But it's not easy to achieve. The interesting thing about hanging around with the, the guy on the engine mapping, we were talking about sport mode, and this, bearing in mind, every high-end car has a sport mode type button thing, um, including the McCann. Yeah. The, the, my the old Benz's outside's got a sport mode. Why you need it, I don't. It's ridiculous. But if you pre- if if Ruth presses the sport mode button, she's terrified. She hates it because the response actually is a bit over the top. But they also press the button as they've got throttle on, so it jumps forward always, doesn't it? Because the throttle shortens. Yeah, and yeah. The car goes. But all of that stuff, and it's interesting. You know, I guess why do we need sport sport mode? Uh, I don't really know, actually. Uh, Just to add a button in there, you know, for, for me, I think remove as many electric. Uh, buttons as possible in the, the car to make it yeah, as simple I mean, I as think, possible. I think rather than sport mode, you might want to offer people a shorter throttle throw if that's the way they like the pedal to be. But I, I, yeah, dressing it up as a sport mode is a, is a moot point for me. Or is it driven by emissions so that they have to have this cycle? So if they press that, then you're No, that's all dealt with on startup. I mean, they're, but they're, they're having to calm down on that, aren't they? Anyway, so, it's probably a thing of the past we're not going to have to worry for much longer. So if you come back to an early car... No, you, you will, because don't forget... There's a new interpretation of that. You get into Tesla, you've got ludicrous mode, okay. being a dickhead mode, whatever you call it. Yeah. Um, so there's always going to be this need to give you these steps in performance because the punter quite likes it. it and it all originates from probably Night Rider, you know, or something oh. like that, you know? <laughs> Brilliant. It does because, Brilliant. you know, as a kid, the, the concept of having a button, a naughty button you could press that you felt made the car's DNA alter slightly that reaches into all of our inner child and I think that's what that's what they're after they're trying I, to get I think into in that. all fa- I think for people that don't have access to lots of cars if you're lucky enough to buy a Carrera 2 911 as your everyday car and you drop your wife off at work or your son off at school and then you're by yourself in the car and you can press a number of buttons and turn it into a different experience that's quite an interesting I think offering yeah I think all of those sentiments when you discuss them, make you realise that these are marketing-led emotional decisions as much as they are engineering ones. You know, I, I think, like you, my ideal performance car would give me no options because I still feel that the best cars I've driven operate on the widest bandwidth. They're, they're, they're the super talents. You know, you get into an E46 M3 and it has got a, a sport button which slightly shortens the throttle, but ultimately the spring and damper is fixed. There's no adaptive damping going on. And the engine has a mode. It just is an engine. And it's a great car. It just feels homogenous. It feels like everything worked together. The people that finished that car really knew what they were talking about. And it doesn't need buttons to do extra stuff because it does it all brilliantly. I think the other thing is that that you actually need more than... How many cars do you need to cover off all these things we're talking about? I answered this over the bank holiday weekend. You need lots of cars. (laughs) You answered answered this over the bank holiday weekend. You need two vehicles. You need a 1957 2CV um, with a fabric back to it, uh, and you need sure this, a an Aprilia Tuono bike for when you're on your own. So basically, the, the 2CV takes care of 
all of your sort of family <laughs> practical needs. How would you have got here today in your 2CV? I'd just have left yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> now, time's not something you have a lot of, and if you do, then you use it very the, badly. So that, that's But you're, you're quite right. You do... You, how many cars do you... You need an estate car. Oh, this is... A, this is now, oh. we're now on a different subject. Oh, okay. <laughs> you need an estate car? Yes. You need a sports car of some sort. You know, what, that, like, that could be anything from a catering, a fun car. Yeah. Um, and I think you need a really comfy car. That's And a, sh- and a short wheelbase 911. Obviously, every, <laughs> everyone, everyone needs one. Well, no, needs sadly, one. we can't afford them anymore, Richard, because some people have been pumping their prices up to the point where we can't afford them anymore. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm now going to do a massive diversion. Segway into prices of 911s and how they have been contorted by eligibility for particular types of racing. Like the value of a 65 car versus a 66 car. Does that make the 66 car, so for the avoidance of doubt, a 65 car is eligible for pretty much any kind of racing around the world because the championships tend to be eligible for cars up to 65. So 66 cars are much cheaper than 65 cars, but they're ultimately very similar. Ish. Um, Go on then. What, similar-ish? Or they're the same? What he's just said is a bit of an ish, as in you can use non-65 cars. Uh, the, The point being... And it's not. I don't think it's driven by the race series particularly. If you want to do, a, you know, a Peter Auto event or two litre cup, Goodwood, oh, sorry, Goodwood, Goodwood, yeah. uh, anywhere like that, you need a sixty-five. If they're strict, you? that's true. However, I think you can have a sixty-five spec. There's a there's a an imaginary. I think it's imaginary. I perhaps ought to know, but three hundred five one hundred is a chassis number. Anything before that is deemed acceptable, and that takes you well into sixty-six. Does it? But it's still nonsense. Because basically, up to end of 68, they're all the same. I mean, there's a, there's a bit of anoraking going on where door handles and various things, but I d- they're, they're plus or minus the same. Um, what's driving the pricing, and I have cl- discussions on a weekly basis with clients and new clients, is early, early cars, which brings you on to the so 60, 64, 65 yeah. stuff. Matching numbers. Um, oh, you love a bit of that, don't you? Ooh, which which is not, don't a get glorious that. subject. And, and that's about it. The point being, it's all nonsense. And if you present a car to the FIA these days, we don't want to talk about them, but if, if it, you're saying what you're saying is that car complies to that document. Yeah. So we could take... We could take that lovely Stratos, that actual car, turn it into a short wheelbase 911. I don't know how we do it. We could. <laughs> and you could present it and you would get FIA papers. Now, the thing is... What if, papers would you get? you get full-on FIA would you? papers. Yeah, there's no... FIA paper is FIA paper. There's a, there's a little bit of paper in the back that you get if it was a period car. You get a bit of history and some photos. Right. If Goodwood have availability for 20 cars and... Chris, you turn up with your original 64901 and you turn up with a 67 My Stratos rebodied yeah. as an yes. 911. <laughs> yeah. If, if they've got 20 cars of the correct period, they will want them. Yeah. Over, unless you put some legend in it to drive it. Yeah. Um, so the, I think the price is actually being driven by, not the racing market, it's being driven by collectors who want lovely early cars and they want the match numbers and they want them early. That means... Those are all hived off and already a lot of money. Uh, and then we're left with whatever we can get a hold of. So do you think 67, 68 cars are going to get dragged up now? 
Because according to your theory, they should, but they don't really, because I think... Well, that, yeah, but that you're, talk, that's, you're, you know, you're talking about race cars and eligibility, which is very different to driving around in a 68 road car yeah. that's been sorted or not sorted, because a, a 65 race car that Richard's built that you can go to Goodwood and dance around on the circuit is a very different thing to a to a, an unrestored 65 road car. They are. They're linked a little bit in that... In the, there's only so many of them, so if a lot of them are getting sucked into road cars or race cars, whatever, then we're, we're dealing with what's left. The reality is... Um I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We're always talking about the donor, the base car. Once you've got your base car, to convert it into a lovely road car, restore it to an original car, or go racing, the cost is the cost. Yeah. So it doesn't matter whether it's a 68 or a 65, you've still got to fire a thousand hours in it and however many uh, tens of thousands yeah. of pounds of parts. So we're, we're all we're really, con- what, what gives us the variety in pricing is how much can we buy the base car for? And I guess that's the same with whatever. Have you exhausted America yet? For no, I bought Charles. a lovely car the other day. Um, Matching numbers, engine, gearbox, and stamped doors, sixty-five, sixty-five. Really? What a peach! Yeah. For Go sale, obviously. How much? We couldn't have a conversation with that off air. How much? It's sold. It's Bought sold. and sold in a week. <laughs> Edward, <laughs> Edward, Edward would be very jealous of that. Um, so no, so they're out. They are still out. There. Thanks for the call. Mm. The, the thing is, the old man was buying these fifteen years ago at five thousand quid. Yeah. And we're paying closer to eighty now, for the same thing. Only in most cases, the cars he were buying were way better than the cars we were yeah. buying. So we're, buy- we're paying more, getting less. Yeah. But they're still out there, so everyone can rack, so there's plenty, there's plenty in the world. They made a lot. In the middle of They did Arizona make a few, didn't they? Oregon. Yeah. And- how many, so how many of these two-litre cup cars have you made? We've built, I reckon, 15, 20 in the last three Probably. years, something like that. And the circuit thing is quite new for you, isn't it? I remember discussing with you over a couple of beers. Richard's a famously brilliant drinker not um so we're three lagers in and he's already falling off the stool and i remember saying to him you make these rally cars and they're great but there's a whole world of circuit racing where it appears to be more money and there's less for you to do or less for you to worry about and no trees to hit and he went yeah we've done a bit but we've never really got into it and now it's flying isn't it yeah it's a it's a it's a really big part of what we do and do you struggle with it because roundy roundy racing which is uh, not you is it you you must look at it and go yesterday chris you must look at it and just think, what, why are they doing this? <laughs> I was at Silverstone yesterday, round the GP circuit. In what? Early 9-11. Early 9-11. Two weeks ago. What did you do down the back straight? Have a cup of tea or what? It's a long old straight, but I... It, I'm, I, are you beginning to enjoy it? Yes. 
I haven't done, I haven't done a race yet, apart from go karting with you come now and, do, and then. Come and do Spa six hours. We have to get you into that. Well, a couple of weeks we were at Spa with the two litre cup and Peter Auto. Are you um, pedalling in that or not? No, no. I I spent a day in the BMW of all things, um, going around Spa to do some license qualification. So, um, I am enjoying <laughs> it. And I'm yesterday. I actually tentatively booked a day with a coach to go and have a look at how slow he is compared to me <laughs> around a racetrack because I think I'll beat everyone. <laughs> no, I think, I think. I, I had a day with a client the other day in Wales. So he's a race chap, very, very nice guy, owns lots of lovely cars. And I took him for a day. He came, came ice driving with us and then I took him um, to Wales. Yeah. Walters Arena, safari car, trees, everything that we've all dreamed of. And at the end of the day, firstly, he was surprisingly good. Uh, surprisingly is the wrong word. He, he was better than I imagined. He's got brilliant car control and can do everything very, very proficiently. And all I wanted out of that day was uh, for him to go back onto a race circuit with the confidence that he can throw a car away around and be perfectly all yeah. right. Because these cars, don't forget, are all running skinny tires. Yeah. So they all move. And the, the, the trick is, how sideways do you have to be? Bef- and, and how sideways do you not be before you're before scrubbing, you're scrubbing off? Speed. Yeah. But when, when I overlay... When I overlay data from racing drivers, there are areas where I'm much quicker on a given racetrack. So it's the, it's the, it's the thing about trying to learn the balance. And I'm, I'm genuinely interested. And also there are areas where you're not quicker. Yes, but they're easy to sort. Are they? Yeah, that's I mean, just... you do come across as a very modest man at the moment. Well, trying to, yeah. You know, it's difficult. <laughs> and on, but, on that bombshell, that's the end of part one, come back for part two where Richard explains why he's a greater driver than Ayrton Senna. collecting cars the safe smart and simple way to buy and sell collectible cars an online auction platform for the uk and europe follow us on instagram at collecting cars and also collectingcars.com The CollectingCars.com podcast with Chris Harris and Edward Lovett. Welcome back to part two of this Collecting Cars podcast with Richard Tuttle. A little bit of uh, social media handles. Uh, we are at Collecting Cars on Instagram. There's a Twitter one, but no one uses Twitter anymore. Richard is at Tuttle Porsche, I think. He doesn't quite know. He has a man that does that for him. Uh, but have a look and you'll see lots of pictures of his brand new, lovely shed. Now, Richard, first of all, the driving thing, okay? People don't know how handy you are. He was a ProDrive all-star back in the day. So ProDrive had a series of, uh, of youngsters that were going to come through the ranks and become the next Richard Burns. And you were one of them. What was that like, being a part of that team? Well, I don't know whether I was one of them, but I was involved. I don't know what I was or what I am, but what was lovely was being involved with that company at that time when they were doing amazing stuff um, with Burnsy and McRae and... And they're four miles away from us. And I still have a note from DR saying that if I ever want a job, I just have to call him because I worked for him once. So anyway, I haven't had to call him, but... Yet. Yet, yeah. If you want to work on the front desk at a hotel in Cornwall, then you probably can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
might not be good. I did actually see, uh, interrupting very quickly, but David Richards, uh, they posted on uh, the Pro Drive Instagram the other day one of their 83 year old employees that just retired. Ju- just retired yeah. and worked there for 25 years and had been given a golden pass to always come back. I thought it was brilliant. And, the, and there was, a, I think, a couple of weeks ago, they did a similar post and someone had retired at 76. So they really uh, they worked them to the bone there. <laughs> no, well, I anyway, think I know that chap because I, you, when I used to live in Deddington, I used to nearly run him over every night because I think he was still walking to work. <laughs> anyway, um, no, it, it was a good time, and I'd, I was exposed to some lovely cars and some lo- lovely projects. Um, can we can we now dispel the myth <clears throat> of the Colin McRae edition first generation Impreza? So they did. Um, they made some pro-drive-looking Impressors because this car exploded on the scene in sort of 94, didn't it? Out of nowhere, there was this new hero car from Japan. It was quirky. It was a rally winner. Everyone wanted one on the road. It was just the ultimate success. It was what, what every car company wants from motorsport is to build a car that succeeds in competition that then people want to buy on the road because of that. And that was a great example of it. And um, anyhow, so they did some special editions called a Pro Drive one. They put a Recaro seat in it and they painted it blue, basically. And some gold wheels. Yeah, and they became super famous. Richard, how were those put together? I did them all in a shed. <laughs> um, in the shed. In a shed, in a shed near Gaydon. <laughs> and, and what it consisted of was me, a shed full of cars. There was a little storeroom where we kept the Speedline wheels. The, the hardest part of it was sticking the plaques on, but I did every single one. <laughs> every single plaque. Yeah, so I, I have no idea why I was given that job, but I think they needed rid of me for a couple of months. So I used to fit the wheels, the seats, uh, the plaque. <laughs> I, remember taking, I remember taking sort of a foot-long baguette that I would have made myself at home, and I remember having a cheeky nap middle of the day because it was me there was no one I didn't have to report to anyone so if there are any of those cars still out there and the plaque it's a tad wonky I'll, I'll rectify it you will find it. I can remember people with the car saying yeah it's a really special one it come out come out of the, the factory doors at Pro Driver then he told me about the process <laughs> let's not tell anyone that I was talking about one of them yesterday funny. that a P1 and a 22B um, and, the, and the relevance of all of them. Anyway, amazing, which is the, amazing which is the time. one to have. I don't know. Twenty two B will always be considered the homologation car, but to drive the P one was the nicest one of those cars that I ever drove. When I was asked a question yesterday, I rang Ollie Clark, and, yeah, well, he and, knows and he knows everything. So, how much yeah. power does he get from those things now? Oh, ridiculous! You wait till his new Time Attack car comes out. Oh, that quite appeals to me, Time Attack. Yes, I quite like the I like the purity of one lap. Mentalist, no yeah. rules. Have you, have you, have you followed no, so this what's at all? The, what's this? He he's building these. So they're they're him and um, Matt, um, legends. And what's the company? Uh, Roger Clark Motorsport. Yeah, they sell primarily uh, Mitsubishi and Subaru performance parts, and they do it beautifully. And then uh, Ollie works on the parts. Matt's just a crazy mechanic engineer. Yeah. So he sits in the workshop building a car, and every four or five years, they produce another one for Time Attack series, which is... Uh, for themselves to For use. themselves, so yeah. and, then, and then Ollie drives it. Um, and you go to a circuit, and it's pretty much unlimited. Well, there are classes, but you can basically make what you want, and, and it's a very simple deal. It's how fast can you do a lap. Type in... I in think, any circuit, or they... Well, they, they have specific events, don't they? But, you know, they do them at... No, so it's a sort of MSA they, series. There is a proper series, but they, and they use the major circuits in the UK. Yeah. But I like the simplicity of this one lap, 
and you can turn up with a thousand horsepower skyline and basically just manhandle the from thing stationary is it no it's flying lap isn't it yeah i don't know but google gobstopper and and life will never be the same so uh, he's the man i rang good chap but no the driving thing the driving thing was what i did and and i was I, I was really good when I drove every day, and now I'm a little bit disappointed in my tardiness because I don't drive in the same way. And that's what's really interesting about driving, is if you commit to being a driver, then you become bloody good. Now, uh, Chris, you drive more cars than any of us, and you spend more laps in cars than any of us. And I'm hence still you, no good. You are good, uh, annoyingly so. I've Googled Gobstopper and there's uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory okay. and the Everstone. Okay. Is that the one? Maybe add Subaru on it because otherwise you might see some really bad stuff. Yeah, add don't Subaru don't on the Google it. Gobstopper, it'll say something very uh, different. But no, it's, all about, it's, it's as ever, it's all about time behind the wheel. Um, and in 9-11 terms, that's where I've, uh, I spend, that's all I drive. So what is the ultimate Richard Tuttle 9-11? Well, it's got no power, it's got brilliant handling... And because of budget, it's probably nine twelve based. Okay. <laughs> so what, don't what, sound what, right. So without, obviously, you know, Porsche, as we were talking about values, etc. You can spend an awful lot of money on a nine eleven of some derivative. But I guess you can have a great nine eleven or Porsche experience for ten or twenty thousand pounds. No. 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 Not, no, no, not, not even with no, a not, not even with a, with a ratty nine twelve. No, nine twelves are sailed as well. So, the, the great thing but about a nine twelve, uh, yeah, but a, um, a nine twelve that's very clean it has sailed. But you can get a ratty car with a bit of rust in the door. Oh, you could, and then you could call it. What would you call it? One of those things that looks like a an outlaw, a, shit. a yes. rat rod. A, oh, one an, of them. Well, yeah. So then you just justify not doing a nice. Yeah, yeah. but it still drives so like a nine twelve. Yeah, you can. So, you take a nine twelve. And then within a day, you'd have a 911 engine in it. Because the four-cylinder engine, as much as you try, and I think Porsche have just recently proved this yet again, <laughs> is not a great... And in fact, Subaru is the only, only Porsche you've ever made. I know we should be talking good. about Subaru. But why do they sound good? That's a good question for you. But just I don't, why don't does a four-pot engine... Why does the four-pot in a Subaru, Impressive. a flat four, have mm. so much character, sound so good, and feel actually special? And yet the current Boxster engine is... Have you driven one? Yes, I mean, I go on an isolation one. Yeah, what the engine's dreadful or the noise is dreadful? Everything's dreadful. It's just wrong. I mean, it's quite quick, but just the way it goes about its business is unpleasant. It's no secret that you know they the next the next Boxster won't have a four cylinder engine. I don't um, know why Subarus sound good, and and Beetles three five sixes nine twelves and Boxsters sound bad. I don't know. But what so, I'm so you is, take the four cylinder out, you put a two liter in. Yeah, uh, probably two liter. Um, maybe 2.2 to give you a little bit more torque on the on the yeah. road, um, and you you make a car because talk, talking about driving cars, we can't drive fast anywhere. Yeah. So let's just drive slowly, but on the door handles, yeah. so that we're not doing something totally irresponsible. And yeah. if it stops and handles well, that's all I want. So when our auction platform is live, which uh, we're recording this at the begin on the first of May. Um, I think we need to try and find a uh, Richard Tuttle back to basics nine eleven experience There'll be something to, to in auction shed on somewhere. our platform. We'll yeah, we'll have a little dig around in one of the old sheds. I own eight nine twelves uh, plus a few body shells. I own a right hand drive one, which is beautiful. Now this is not part of this discussion. Okay, fine. 
Uh, but I own, I think, eight left. I had a bit of a thing three, four years ago, and I thought I'd buy. My father bought me and my brother and my sister a Beetle. Yeah. So I thought I'd buy my three kids a 912. And they're all sheds, and they're all uh, they're all sitting in a barn. But yeah, we could we could we could spam one. Up. And you're you're making a nine twelve R, is that right? Centre seat. <laughs> That's not official, but it's, a stu- <laughs> it's it's one of many stupid ideas I have. We'll see. We'll Go see. back to the sheds. Yeah. So your place, new new facility is all great. You've finally got some order, which must make life much easier for you because it was a series of, of rabbit warrens, really, wasn't it? So. And there was, there was stuff stored everywhere because your father's a legend and would just buy stuff over time. As any business like yours does, you, you buy stuff and stick it away for a rainy day. What's the best thing that you ever just stumbled across in a shed? Whew. We were searching for Solex carburetors two years ago because of this two-litre cup and because of the demand for Solexes, which are tricky. And the old man said, OK, let, just, just give me a couple of hours. And he went away and... I'd say, I'd say, I'll give him a day, but within a day, I think he produced eight sets of Solex. <laughs> um, obviously, none of which were recorded on stock. Uh, no one knew the location, and no doubt they came from multi-location. So that was a bit of a find. He's just bought a business in Spain. Was this the one you were talking about yeah, a year ago? Yeah, he, but he did it. And so we've just had nine 40-foot containers. <laughs> of classic Porsche parts. parts. AKA crap. So, uh, uh, no, we call it DOS, Dad's Old Shit. Dad's Old Shit. <laughs> there's, a part, there's a part number on the system for it. So he's at the age of 70. Forgive us for the noise here, because we are We're in Gerardo the uh, Gerardo & Co. Co. hospitality, and uh, they have got the coffee grinder going on upstairs. <laughs> so so Dad's, 70, old, Dad's Old Shit. Or 76. Yeah. And this is a project I'm not allowed to be involved in. Yeah. He's made that very clear. He's trying to rope my sister into it. Well, anyway, you t- that was it. Your sister was yeah. involved. Nine 40-foot yeah. containers. And he's sorting through it on a daily basis. I don't know where he gets his energy from, but there's some quite interesting stuff in that. Any I Solexes in there? A couple of Solexes, some lovely RS seats. I've seen some um, aluminium speeds to seats, lots of CBA, Oscar lights, proper things. Have you still got my original ducktail somewhere? Well, it's, it's technically it's mine, but yes. Is it technically yours now? I have to ask Paul. <laughs> Given, but, given that you own most of the cars that I call mine anyway. So. <laughs> anyway, no, I don't know where it gets energy from, but it's a real thing. And, um, and what's the future of all this? Because I'm at the cold face of my day job, dealing with mobility and how people get around the place and how transportation, how transportation works for us as individuals. The motor car feels like it's on its way out. And yet you've got more and more demand for old cars and people to go racing in them, haven't you? Yeah, interesting. Uh, my... Um, my thought is, which is as ever very uneducated, is I'm looking quite hard at driver experiences. We yeah. have done over the years some extraordinary stuff. And actually we're watching you on telly. You're, you're going to some amazing parts of the world, having driving adventures, doing stuff. So what I am about to turn my main focus on is driving experiences. So we already... With the a, 911. With... with Yes, and one other group of cars I'm interested in, but mostly 911s as normal. Um, two CVs? Not two CVs, <laughs> not two CVs. Uh, we obviously run a, a brilliant ice driving experience, yeah. which is it's 15 years Below old. zero? Be- yeah, below, below zero. zero. Uh, which is great. 15 years old and still as fun as the first day. 
probably you and I spent on. If you've got a, if you've got a group of mates and want to go and have a bit of fun skidding around on the snow, check out Below Zero. Yeah, yeah I think the the last gallon of fuel is used on a lake, isn't it, or down a stage with snowbanks. Yeah, that's if you, if that's what you do. Yeah, so that's that's amazing. When we go, I've got five cars in Morocco today, charging around on a rally. Um, God, is that the one that we did the launch event with Michelle Mouton? I watched that video ago. last week as well, yeah. So that's based in Marrakesh. Um, and then obviously we love Kenya for the safari rally. So what I'm looking at is uh, people are going to need places to go and drive their cars because I don't think we're going to be able to drive as we do now. So we're going to have to create occasions. Yeah. And I think that might be the future of what we get involved in. What about, what about stage rallying? Can you see that carrying on? I think increasingly it's become quite tricky to put on stage events in A, a cost-effective manner, yeah. and B, conform with um, safety requirements. Especially, for example, in Italy, you have to have a, an ambulance every five kilometres now if you're going to put a stage on uh, because of various incidents that have happened recently. Um, it's interesting. How, they need to amalgamate more events in one and have fewer but better quality events I think okay last question to you without doubt the most harebrained thing you've ever done since I've known you and you've done some pretty ambitious things was to enter RGT with a 997 cup car and bolt Francois Delacour in the driver's seat I mean I hope you look back on it now and think it's one of the coolest things you've ever done simple answer yes one of the coolest things I've ever done. Uh, financially disastrous. <laughs> um, as with all the best things. Um, we are still in the... We have one RGT car that runs, or has run, but it's been off the road for a year due to FIA yeah. uh, politics. And, and, and that's the saddest thing of, of all of this, is that um, trying to do great things in motorsport these days is becoming increasingly tiresome to the point where it makes you not want to do stuff yeah. and I think that's a terrible shame because it is it does take so I can't completely uh, claim the rights to RGT but Romain Dumas myself uh, certainly were pushing like hell as a pair of privateers to get these cars out on the world championship stage yeah. and uh, and it uh, and it's really tricky, but on the back of it, Porsche are looking at bringing Cayman. Cayman. The Cayman. Yeah. Uh, our bath did some. Our yeah. baths. What have I seen? A Cayman yeah, Dumas, GT4 rally car. Yeah, at, at Reading, at Reading they the other day. A zero car. Did, uh, on an event. They, yeah. they might. It's probably I, doing I the think, rounds. I event. think I saw it at Reading. Yeah. Well, they're looking at it. But the point being, without people pushing at the beginning, spending their own money, this stuff just doesn't happen. Yeah. And it's yeah. becoming increasingly tricky. But he, he is the man, though, isn't he, Delacour? He is the man. Oh, he, I spent one day with him five years ago, and it's one of the best days of my life. Even going from the hotel to the airport was fun. Uh, my son's spent three days with him on a French exchange, and youngest son is going there this summer uh, with a bit of luck. He is wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> Wonderful. The, the normal rules of the world don't apply to him, do they? If I won the lottery tomorrow, I probably would pay for him to be driving a Toyota World Rally car for a full season next year in the World Championship because he genuinely believes he will beat 
Ogier, <laughs> Latvala, Oit Tanak, and anyone else you can name, Meek. And I think he'd have a good shout. <laughs> he's fitter than he's fitter now than he was when he was 21. He's an extraordinary bloke. Love him to pieces. And yeah. as crazy as it was, it was brilliant. Um, well, that's been a lovely chat. Thank you for coming along. Best of luck with everything. Um, we'll keep an eye on it. Love the new shed. The singer both of us are really excited about. That should be available for people to drive by the end of the year, hopefully. <laughs> um, and I'm sure you've got other interesting projects coming along and, and I look forward to avoiding you on a racetrack sometime soon. Thank you Richard Tuttle and thank you Edward. Thank you very much. Thanks John. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.